All right, here we go. Welcome collaborators to the What Is and What Could Be podcast with Michael Clark Architect. This is the podcast where we talk through the experience of collaborating with architects and realizing architectural projects. If you are a property owner with a piece of land, you are looking to develop a building you want to add to or alter, or you're a business owner renting a commercial tenancy that you want to change in some way, this podcast will help you move forward with confidence whilst working with your architect and other collaborators. These insights also seek to help consultants such as engineers or planners, contractors, fellow architects and students of architecture. Basically, anyone looking to collaborate and work with architects and work through this concept of what is and what could be. Very excited to have you here today. Thank you for giving up your time. I am Michael Clark. I am a registered architect in New South Wales with over 20 years experience graduating from the University of New South Wales some time ago. Now, before we get into the podcast, I want to add some clarifications some qualifications in addition to what I just listed before we move forward. So this is just me. I don't represent an organization. I'm not here speaking on behalf of the Australian Institute of Architects, the Architects Registration Board, any university necessarily, but I have practiced for over 20 years and during that time I've worked with the Australian Institute of Architects and various universities, worked for and with them and continue to do so. I've worked for some fantastic practices that are critically acclaimed, well-respected, uh, have award-winning projects that are published and well-received, uh, but I'm speaking from my own experience as now a sole practitioner, still working, as I mentioned, uh, with some of those institutions and organizations, um, but I have my own practice. Now, because it's my opinion, my position doesn't necessarily mean that it uh, isn't indicative of what others in the profession might think. And we're certainly gonna get other colleagues on here to discuss things, um, but it is. Michael Clark speaking from his experience. These podcasts are also not an effort to short circuit the engagement of an architect. They're not a series of how to, how to realize your ideal home, how to extend your house in a particular local government area in uh, Sydney. No, instead they are an effort to uh, provide insights uh, when you think of collaborating with your architect, reaching out to an architect, working with an architect and realizing um, projects. They're not a series of detailed how-tos. They're high-level discussions on broad topics so that you can understand the process of realizing an architectural project, working with an architect and experiencing uh, architectural projects. Now, the other thing I wanted to say is they're, they're an effort to beat the bully. Now, who's the bully? The bully is no one. 
in particular, not an organization, not an individual. The bully is a concept and the concept is that you as collaborator, as client, as developer, are unsure about the path you're about to undertake. I'm not really sure I should work with an architect. I don't really know which way I should develop. I'm not really sure about this property and this tenancy. Um, I want to help remove that doubt so that when you reach out to your architect and you start working with them, that bully, that conceptual bully, is um, very much suppressed. The other thing I want to note is that I am not in these podcasts going to act as architectural broker. I'm going to be the first to admit that in Australia, where I work, particularly uh, Greater Western Sydney, Greater Western Sydney is the area that I work, a little bit north of that, around mid-coast um, New South Wales and south coast New South Wales, a little bit south of Greater Western Sydney. Um, I can tell you that I have a lot of colleagues and friends uh, that I've taught with, been taught by, worked with, um, uh, have actually taught at universities or at, um, at the Institute of Architects who do incredible work in addition to uh, almost all areas of Australia, in fact, all areas of Australia. If you look at the caliber of work that's been produced in this country as measured by publications, uh, social media um, uh, awards. The question is not one of, is there a good architect out there? It's more, which of these good architects is the right fit for me? I'm not gonna tell you which one is, but I'm gonna give you some insights as to things you might ask those architects when you approach them. I'd love for you to approach me, but I'm gonna be the first to say that that might not work for you, that might not work for me. There are others out there that you can reach out to in addition to me or instead of me and see what fit works best for you. Okay, they're the qualifications clarifications. Let's get into this first episode where I'm gonna discuss an idea, a very first question that you might put to yourself on this journey of realizing projects with architects and that is why. Why work with an architect? And it's a completely understandable question. There's many out there that think, well, I don't need to work with an architect for whatever reason. And that's cool. I've got to be, I've got to really stress this. Whilst these podcasts are an effort to entice, excite, provide um, opportunities for you to think of how delightful it might be to work with an architect, uh, there are more buildings realized without architects than with architects. And it's completely fine for that to continue. I'm just trying to add a little bit of insight for you to maybe think, oh, maybe there is something to be said about working with an architect and realizing a project with an architect. So the topic of why I'm gonna answer two ways. I'm gonna talk about what it is that an architect does. What do architects do? I'm going to talk about what we do. Now, just to circle back to um, what we do. Sorry, I'm going to talk about why we do what we do. Now, just to circle back to what it is that we do. Um, sorry, I'm going, to, I'm going to... That's the main focus of this episode and future episodes. So we've got <laughs> what does an architect do? 
and why do we do it? And the why we do it is an interesting one that I'll talk about in a future episode, but it comes from one of my favorite speakers. His name is Simon Sinek. He's a fantastic entrepreneur, uh, marketing guru, has the third most watched TED Talk of all time. If you YouTube Simon Sinek, Finding Your Why, you'll get an old um, clip that is compelling. He speaks to the idea that people don't want to buy what you do, they wanna buy why you do it. Now you're gonna say, oh, that's interesting. Michael's gonna talk about what architects do, but then he's saying Simon Sinek says, well, people don't wanna buy what you do, they wanna buy why you do it. And that's exactly right, uh, except that to talk about why I do what I do, you first need to understand what it is that I do. Um, anyway, just to finish Simon Sinek, he gives a great example of uh, Apple and their, their products and some of their devices as not necessarily being any better, or in fact, in some cases worse than their competitors, but they sell so much more. Um, and he maintains that this is because they have a very clear why. You know why Apple do what they do. And that compels you to buy them over other products. But we'll talk about that in um, other episodes, why architects do what we do, or why I, as uh, Michael Clark as an architect, does what I do. But now to circle back to what architects do, because I don't know about you, but I meet people in social situations and other walks of life, and they, they tell me what they do, and I get intrigued. Um, the name might sound unfamiliar to me, and I can't for the life of me sometimes imagine what that person's doing post-commute to work, whatever commute means. It might mean from the shower to your workstation. It might mean from the home to the office, whatever that means in 2022, the commute. Once they've finished the commute and they've sat down at whatever a workstation is for them or a version of a workstation or work area is for them, what they're then doing quite a few professions where I, I just can't see it and I want to see it because as an architect we're charged with the creative task of providing a backdrop that allows you to realize your working day in the best way possible your your living circumstance in the best way possible for you I can't do that unless I understand what you do so I feel like if I'm not understanding what you do then I'm missing out on a fantastic opportunity to collaborate uh, straight away, future undertaking, whatever. And I don't want that to be the case. And I don't want it to be the case with the greater public in regards to what an architect does. So as a, as a comparison, I've got a good idea of what teachers do, having been taught in primary, secondary, tertiary situations, and also having had taught in tertiary, secondary, in yeah, I've taught in primary, haven't taught in secondary, have taught in tertiary, as I've mentioned at the beginning of the podcast. And as a consequence, I have a clear idea as to what's involved. My family, a lot of my family, my extended family, my, my sister-in-law, my brother-in-law, my mum, my dad, my stepfather, all involved in primary education. 
And as a consequence, I've got a really good idea as to what they do. I think a lot of us would. We've got a clear idea as to what a teacher is probably doing most of the day. Not to the point that you could do it, not to the point that you could give an hour lecture on it, but you got an idea if you're paying for a teacher, if you're sending your children to be taught, you got an idea of what you're getting. Same might be true of police or firemen or, sorry, firefighters or um, doctors, nurses, etc., etc. But is that true of an architect? If someone says they're an architect, in your mind you think, oh, architects do insert statement. You might think that architects are behind a workstation, drawing board, computer, or similar. And we spend our day producing technical drawings that are the language um, that we use to uh, represent our ideas for places, for spaces, for the projects we're working on that we give to others to assess, to review, to collaborate, to add to, alter, um, and uh, use to build off. And for the most part, you're right, that is a lot of what we do. But I wanna put a particular spin on that because it's far from just that. I'm gonna say this, what we do relates to the idea of vision. Now, before I talk about vision, I've got to pay due respect to my beloved business coaches, Ruby Marsh, a former architect who encouraged me to do these podcasts and has her own fantastic podcast, and her husband, John Marsh, who also has a podcast series uh, and encouraged me to do um, the podcast. Together, they run Creator Club. Creator Club is a uh, business coaching club for coaches and creatives. And um, they have this idea in regards to sales and general business ventures to think of it as a vision. What is your vision? And they have this great way of putting it that I think is relevant to what architects do. What we're doing is we're taking your vision your vision for your place, your space, your building, your plot of land, your tendency that you're renting. We take your vision and we frame it. We creatively frame it in our world. And I'm gonna repeat that a lot. That's what we're doing. We're taking your vision and we're framing it in our world. Okay, but what does that mean in real terms? Okay, so let's talk through the first part of the experience. I'm gonna talk through the services we provide in future episodes, but now I just wanna talk about that first meeting, breaking the ice. So you've reached out to an architect or a couple of architects based on referral, uh, based on having experienced one of their buildings, preferably in real life. There's no better way to experience an architectural project. And in my opinion, there's actually no other way to experience an architectural project than, an, than in real life. So ideally you've got a referral and you've backed that up by ideally going to the space or looking them up uh, on their website, their social, a publication, 
whatever magazine you might have found, whatever it might be, and there's something that intrigues you, that interests you in the work that they've done, and ideally the stories that have been told about that person that's referred them, be it a brother, sister, builder friend, cousin, whatever it might be. And then you text, or your email, or you reach out on social media, or whatever works best for you. And I can tell you personally that when I get inquiries, I tend to respond as quick as I can. I treat them quite seriously. Um, because you've made the first step, and it's a confronting step. Uh, we as architects are very much um, hidden from the public realm. Ironic, because we contribute to the public realm um, significantly. But we're not out there, we're hard to find. You could find our buildings easier than you can find us and work out how to contact us necessarily. You know, the internet and Google searches have helped, of course, but say you're not really sure what architect, what building. Um, it's hard to think where to go and what to ask and how to reach out. So well done on making that first step on reaching out through whatever means. Now, when you've reached out, we're going to say, let's have a phone conversation and follow that up with an on-site meeting. And in this episode, in the uh, short time left, it's only going to be about a 25, 30 minute episode. I'm going to ask you to do a little bit of homework, a little bit of um, broad, very high level thinking in regards to the four pillars of project realization. Now, these pillars are interesting because they actually morph as um, the project develops and sort of transform in focus. But at that initial stage where you're reaching out to an architect, they, uh, they look like this. The pillars are time, cost, quality, and quantity. And as I said, they evolve. So let's talk about each of them and then we'll wrap up the episode. Okay. So the first one is time, time. Now, you gotta think of time in two ways. How long the project is gonna take and how does that sit with you and what's happening in your life and your partner's life, be it your business partner, life partner, family, whatever that might mean. And how much capacity, how much time do you have to work with your architect? Because let's be clear, we are framing your vision in our world. We are not writing and preparing and creating your vision. You're preparing your vision, this framing exercise, as what we call a brief, and we review that brief and return that brief. And the components of your brief, the components of your vision, that we're about to frame are these items I've just discussed. And in regards to time, you have to have some time to work with your architect because engaging an architect is not outsourcing critical thinking. It's not such that you just say, client, this is what, I'm sorry, architect, this is what I want to achieve. I'll see you in a year when the project's finished. It doesn't work like that. You have to take part, you have to participate. For us, it's an exciting, journey, undertaking, collaboration, but you have to have time for it. 
So if you're 24 seven working uh, on something massive in the next two, three, four months, whatever it might be, and you just don't have those hours to sit with your architect and respond to their emails, then be wary of that. Similarly, if you're about to have some massive life-changing experience, married, extending the family, having another child, twins, getting a litter of pups, more dogs, um, fish, turtle, uh, <laughs> whatever it might be, um, that your elderly mother is about to move in, elderly grandmother, that your son's family, you're going to be living there for a minute, whatever it might be. Uh, that you want to open up the restaurant in time for summer and it's, um, I'm trying to think of my seasons now, it's autumn, uh, whatever it might be. And you've got to be realistic about it. Now, you might not know. You might not know how long things take and that's fine. That's why we're here. We're here to help. I just need to take a drink. Sorry. If you don't know how long things take, that's fine, that's normal. But they do take time and you need to respect that time. Time for you to review the um, framing of your vision as it develops from the concept stage to an application to an authority, local council, um, and taking that development further, ready to build with, uh, ready to develop into drawings that a builder will build off. That takes time to produce, that takes time to review, assess, coordinate, and then when you're at that final stage, when you pass it on to a builder, it takes time to build. And you might not know how long that takes, which is completely fine, your architect will work through that with you in that first phone call or on-site meeting. So they're the two aspects of time. How much time do you have and can contribute? because there's gonna be some, and how long the project is going to take. Now, the next one's really hard, cost. And I say it's hard because it's quite an evolving beast at the moment. It's um, a morphing entity, to say the least. But for this first encounter, we, oh, sorry, I would like you to do a bit of homework and think how much can you spend? And I'm gonna tell you that how much you want to spend, how much your vision might cost, uh, are not necessarily going to align. In fact, I'm almost certain of it. And we work through that. Divulging your cost to your architect does not mean that we're gonna run amok. We're gonna paint the town red necessarily. Um, we take it seriously, I certainly do, and that's how we're trained. This is your vision and your vision, your return brief includes a cost component. And again, you might not know how much things cost and that's completely fine. Uh, it's better to plead ignorance on that topic and it's normal, it's completely normal. You're not trained in this, it's not information that's readily available in the public realm because it is so evolving. But maybe have a think about how much you paid for the property and how much uh, other properties as developed in the street or the area have sold for as a sort of measuring stick as to how much you could spend on top of, you know, your loan capacity and uh, whatever finances you have available, et cetera, et cetera. 
bring that to the discussion. Um, or if it's a rental property and you've got a business plan of sorts, think through your business plan, uh, what kind of sales offer you have, how much money would come in from that, you know, what's the return on investment as a result of changing the rental space. Bit of homework there to do. Don't feel uncomfortable divulging this information. You should feel extremely uncomfortable not divulging it. I'm gonna feel uncomfortable if you don't divulge it. I can't work without a budget. We can't work without a budget. Don't say that there's no budget because there's always a budget. If you've, if you've got you know, a lot of money to spend, then at least do that first exercise because this is an investment. This is a real space and place. You might be okay to overcapitalize because you're gonna live there for a long time. Now the other curveball in regards to cost that I'm compelled to work through generally is that if you think about the amenity that's going to be added and the quality of the design that relates to that amenity, that might be unique to the street, to the area. And so it's a bit hard to say, well, this property did something similar if what you're doing is quite different. And I'm not just talking about form shapes or anything, I'm talking about some thing like You've got a south-facing, uh, you've got south-facing properties in the street. Uh, none of them get northern light in winter, and your architect has somehow devised a way to get northern light to a living space. Now that's got to add value that someone might not be able to ascertain until you put it to the market. And it's kind of interesting to think of that from a land economic perspective. I'm going to get some colleagues on that are involved in land economics to talk through that. Because that always uh, catches people up. What if you're doing something that the street hasn't seen? Anyway, cost. Come to the party with an understanding that there's cost involved, substantial cost involved. And be prepared to work through that. Your architect is going to develop your, he's going to develop the framing of your vision with an eye for cost, but we are not cost consultants. We're gonna do it and then pass it on to someone to get um, a budget estimate. Anyway, I'm gonna talk through that in specifics, but the homework is cost. Third pillar is quality. Now this is um, in some respects, the most fun aspect to the development of your vision. <clears throat> Excuse me. What qualities are you interested in? What other spaces, other places, other projects realized or not have you seen, visited, whatever, that you'd like to see in this project? Now, I wanna stress that this exercise doesn't have to just be about buildings and spaces within buildings, encounters with spaces. It could be part of a song that interests you in a particular way. It could be something you've seen in a movie. It could be something you've seen in a play. Um, it could be how your child interacts with a situation. I guess I'm saying that there's no harm in bringing to this uh, pillar, the homework that you're doing in regards to quality, fanciful things. You know, I'm not saying that you should critique yourself or stress about the fact that you haven't found uh, a quality that you're interested in 
developing in your vision that isn't fanciful. That's not what I'm saying. I'm also not trying to get you stressed that you're actually not sure what qualities you're interested in. But, you know, that can be as simple as things as I, I like timber. I like concrete. I like uh, a view this way. I really enjoy the sun. I enjoy relationships to the outside. I enjoy spaces that are intimate and uh, open, whatever it might be, in addition to spaces where I'd like to be able to go, sit down, meditate and hear my heartbeat. You know, the acoustics are so fantastic or whatever. Just be visionary, have aspirations, but don't stress if you don't have them. That's what we're doing. We'll help develop your vision in those first um, meetings uh, sufficient to be able to start to frame it or the framing exercise might help to um, develop your vision. That's quality. And that might be a magazine, photos, a film clip, whatever you, that you can um, issue to your architect. The last one is quantity. Now, again, with all of these, I'm saying that you might not have an answer to say, oh, I don't know what quantities I want. I don't know what qualities I want. I don't know how much it's going to cost. In fact, I'd like you to admit that you don't know how much it's going to cost, um, as I've said. But what I'm, what I'm getting at is that don't feel obliged to have answers to all of these, but try to have an opinion on them, have some thoughts on them ready to discuss with your architect. In regards to quantities, we're talking metrics. Okay, so when we're talking your house, you might say, um, I want to add two bedrooms, an ensuite, and a garage. And that garage needs to have two cars. Or I want a pool where I can uh, do laps. I want um, a space for the dogs to be able to run around. I want a space for my kids to be able to play piano. They're all um, vision items, return brief items, that have an influence on the size of things. Again, you might not know the meter sizes, three meters by four meters, and that's fine, that's what we do. That's what we do. Part of the framing, I'm gonna have another drink. Part of the framing of your vision that we're doing is to work up quantities. Um, if you own a restaurant, you might say, I wanna extend my bar a meter so that I could have post-mix for spirits and cocktails and have additional 10, 20, 30 seats, whatever it might be. Again, you might not know, but this is what I mean in regards to quantity. How much stuff, we like to call it sometimes the accommodation schedule. If it's a brand new house, how many rooms, how many bathrooms, um, pantry as well as the kitchen, pool in addition to a double garage. That's what we mean in regards to quantity. So in your mind, bring to that phone conversation questions in regards to how long does it take? How much do you think something like this would cost? These are some qualities I'm interested in or what qualities do you like to look at, architect? What quantities you're interested in? What quantities, architect, do you think I, I can look at? You might have a property where you say, I know people along the street have developed. I want to develop in a similar way. What options do I have? Architect comes back to say, okay, we're going to look at that. We're going to look at the controls. We're going to look at what's available. And that's going to be part of our framing of your vision in our world. Now, I've, I've finished there. 
talking about those four pillars. And I just want to leave you with this idea that at no point during that first phone conversation, which we're going to follow up with a meeting on site, I'm going to ask you to meet on site and we're going to look at existing qualities, existing quantities, options for that. We're not going to design on the spot, but we're going to work up your vision so that I can work up a return vision, which we call a brief and a return brief, sufficient for me to be able to frame that in my world. Um, and in the first instance, give you a fee proposal and a scope of services based on that. At no point have I done any drawing or any full-blown technical drawing on the computer or at my drawing board. And this might have been a one, two, three hour plus exchange. Depending on your architect, each architect will do this different and each client will do this different. But I guess I'm stressing that we don't just draw. We draw things with a focus and that focus is the framing of your vision in our world based on these four pillars as presented in that first phone conversation and that first um, meeting on site. Now, what happens next? Really good question. So I wanted to just leave it on that point. What do architects do? We frame your world in our, sorry, we frame your vision <laughs> in our world and we have those four pillars as a focus that you need to work with us to develop and uh, participate in that process. Um, very excited to keep going on this. Very excited to talk about subsequent stages. Uh, I'm gonna go through the entire set of deliverables over probably three podcasts. And then each of those, I'm gonna try and stop and interview uh, relevant um, uh, collaborators that provide insights on uh, as to what's happening at those stages. Some of them architects, some of them quantity surveyors, contractors, planners. But for now, I wanna say thank you for listening to this first episode of what is and what could be podcast with Michael Clark, architect. See you next time.